back it, back it. Yeah, pull up to the bumper game with the signal. Cover me, cause I'm changing how to handle on it. My life, but I'm broke it. When I get to where I'm going, gonna have you saying it. is the Mothers of Reinvention, and I am your host, Jess Zaino. On every episode of this weekly podcast, I connect with rebel women who share their never-before-heard stories about how they reinvented themselves and set their course to success. Today's guest is a singer, prolific songwriter, downtown New York model darling, and underground actress living in Brooklyn, New York, with her husband and daughter, Lucy. She made a full-time transition into a coveted makeup artist, but I know her as the most badass chickie I've ever had the pleasure of calling my friend. We met almost 25 years ago in the downtown New York City music scene. She is most known for the powerful role she played in punk rock, making a name for herself as the lead singer of the all-girl punk band, The Lunachicks, who have recently released their band biography, Fallopian Rhapsody, out now with Hatchet Books. And they are about to reunite on tour for the first time in 17 years. Please welcome the rock god and subversive feminist mastermind, Theo Kogan, to the show. <laughs> Hi, Theo. Hi, that was quite an intro. Wow. <laughs> if anything, I'm a hype man. Oh if God. anything. <laughs> I think I should just be doing that. Oh, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. <laughs> You are you are so worthy. You are so worthy of all of that. And you have just really, I just want to start off saying, like, you really are like this pop feminist, not even pop, like pop punk feminist icon. You are an icon. Thank you. Theo. Do you receive that? Do you receive that information? I that am trying to receive it. It's very hard because I'm just me and I'm, I don't, you know, I just myself and I don't think of things that way but um there are times that I'm reminded and I appreciate it <laughs> yeah yeah I would love to uh well I'll remind you every single time so <laughs> I will be the sycophant who's like yep queen yep icon yep rock goddess yep all of it such an influence on so much in this world. Um, I would love to start at like the very beginning because you were just so creative when you emerged as like a punk rocker. Who who were you as a child? Um, very creative child, very um rich inner life of creativity and fantasy, um, and very funny. I love to make people laugh around me and I was obsessed with like watching I Love Lucy and um you know I would watch Pee Wee Herman in the mornings when I got a little you know when it came on and I I would watch a lot of stuff by myself that my family was not into like Elvis movies and Jerry Lewis which is like so such a you know you don't go near that anymore and um and really found my own sort of path to what was funny <laughs> to me. <laughs> yes yeah i love it you're like unique your you your unique weirdness yeah and then um, i was fashion obsessed also and music obsessed and um and an artist so i would draw constantly and i drew a lot of fashion 
Um, I have a question. So in Fallopian Rhapsody, which I don't, you know, obviously nobody can see a, the book that I'm holding up right now, mm-hmm. but there's like a picture of you in it that from when you're a kid and you're, you are wearing a head wrap and a white um, outfit. Was that bec- like a religious or spiritual choice? Yeah. Or were, so it was a religious uh-huh. choice that my, my parents made, which I don't want to give too much away, but um, yes, it was it's part of my story and it's definitely you know something that shaped me and it was interesting uh-huh well um, i can't wait to get into that yeah. book and for anyone listening to get the book so that they could see this uh, amazingness <laughs> um where did this all happen where did you grow up i grew up in brooklyn i grew up out mm-hmm. in flatbush and in ditmas and i always lived in Brooklyn so even just you know once I moved out of my parents house I lived in Williamsburg and um many moons ago and I've lived in Park Slope for a bajillion years now yeah cool so you've always had sort of like the Brooklyn punk Darius I'm gonna say Ramones even though they're not Brooklyn but like you've always had that in your life who were those like first um, I love Pee Wee Herman. I love that you were finding <laughs> comedy. Who were like the music uh, sort of influences that you were looking towards when you were creating your character, essentially? Well, I found, you know, back then we had so many record stores and vinyl. And so we would go into them and, and I had friends who had older siblings and who already knew about some stuff. So I sort of gathered all this information then I would go to the record stores and buy stuff so some of my early like punk albums I would say were like The Misfits and X-Ray Specs and and then I was into like Channel 3 from California and I was into um, Anti-Noah League or English so it was like I, I was always very eclectic and you know punk is a wide um, genre even though we you know often think of it as this one thing it's really not and um so all of those things plus like you know listening to like Joan Jett and Chrissy Hind and all these women you know and like um Donna Summer and Grace Jones and and you know so coming from like parents who were like into the Stones and the Beatles into like the disco era which was so great and then finding my way back into rock and roll and then there was also like Iggy and the Stooges I mean I could go I could talk about music class. yes but um yes yeah I feel like there were there were so many and Bowie I mean David Bowie was like oh you know just uh, you know <laughs> <laughs> Um, I love that you somehow matched like Pee Wee Herman and David Bowie together mm-hmm. to create, you know, what became the Lunatics. Um, what was the history of you, the you finding each other and deciding what that sort of creative was going to be for the band? We were all in at LaGuardia High School, not all of us, three of us, me and Gina and Squid, Sid. Um, and we were all, me and Gina were both in for art and Squid was in for drama. And I introduced them. First, the schools were separated, then they came together. So we were in the original, like, music and art and performing arts, and then they became Guardia. 
so I introed them. We started hanging out. We all liked music. We went to shows, and we all went to see all these local bands that were so freaking cool and very underground, you know, small shows, but they were just amazing, and people were putting out, like, vinyl singles and cassettes. And, and, um, and then all our favorite bands started breaking up, and so we were like, oh, I guess we have to take this upon ourselves. Like, not <laughs> that we didn't have to, but we were like, you know, if our friends can do this, we can do this. So we did. I mean, it was really nothing more than that. Cool. But and you, but you sort of had this, like, it wasn't a joke, but you had, like, a comedic take on who you were. You were life-size parodies of people, mm-hmm. who I'm sure was just an extension of yourselves as artists. But what was sort of like the impetus was it the decision of like let's go a little nuts and be extra or it's like let's just be ourselves and create this new genre of like feminist punk well no there was never any you know like idea of creating anything but really entertaining ourselves and making music that was good enough for other people to like (laughs) until we first started it was not very good but um you know, we were also heavily influenced by Don Waters. That was, that's another one of our, like, biggest sort of iconic, you know, leaders or, or <laughs> icons in our lives. And um, and seeing all the characters in his movies and seeing bands like Kiss and Alice Cooper and Iggy and, you know, it's just all these influences. And then all the, you know, crazy sort of anti-feminist or like the way that things like Barbie and fashion and being thin and all this, you know, female quote-unquote perfection sort of shoved down our throats on TV and on billboards and in magazines and all of that, that we just, being ourselves, growing up here, you know, being in art school, we just sort of concocted something that it, it was, it, none of it was like, we're going to, Aside from, like, getting together and learning how to make music together, there was no other plan. It was just, like, we, we were ourselves. I mean, that's really the bottom line. We were ourselves. The, what came out came out, and then somehow it was working. That's amazing. And then you yourself started to branch out, or people really took notice of you. Um, and then, you know, I would love to hear about like sort of that just early New York downtown scene with like Richard Kern and all of just like the, the whatever you were experiencing, I would love to hear about how your sort of model career took off and your actress career took off around that time. Well, I never shot with Richard, but I had I one of our good friends was dating him for a while and did a bunch of pictures with him. He somehow never, I don't know. He never, I don't, I don't, I mean, I'm not sad about it or anything, but he never, like, caught on to me, which was fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I did not need to be, like, wrapped up in bondage and had photos taken. But <laughs> um, our friend Ned Ambler was making all these really fun underground films and put me in many of them. And that was, like, sort of early to mid, like, 94, 95. And then um, he was up. He, he he got me in a bunch of fashion things, and I had wanted to be a model before, and then, like, I my first modeling job was, like, when I was 12, you know, for some, like, sweatshirt company, and then I modeled hair, 
then the agency, my mom actually took me to agencies and they were like, come back when you finish high school. And then once I finished high school, I was like, I'm in a fucking band, man. <laughs> like, I don't care. <laughs> and then I was like, this is a cool thing to do in between touring. Like, I'm such a ham, but I love being in the camera. And, and then, um, and then I was very tattooed as time went on. And then, like, one of the first times I went back, okay, rewind. They were like, ew, you have a tattoo. That's fine for the Lower East Side. Like, literally, they said that to me. And I was like, oh. then when I went back, leaves, then they were all about it. So it was like the world had to catch up to me there. <laughs> wow. Where did you, I'm curious, where you, do you have, like, did you have one place where you got your tattoos? Um... I went to New York Adorned a lot, and there were all Me too! Yeah, traveling Me too! So I have a few from New York Adorned. Yeah, that was, like, my main spot, I would say, here. And then, yeah, people would travel and come there or to, you know, various, a couple of other places. But, I mean, there weren't that many of them. So. Yes. I went to New York Adorned for a few, and then in L.A. I go to, um, or I have been in the past, to um, the Shamrock Social Club. Did you ever oh, get them there? No, but I've heard of it. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I mean, your tattoos are just so beautifully artistic and such an expression and a just a continuation of you, and I just love looking at them in photos. Thank you. <laughs> you keep going, do or have you yeah, stopped? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I stopped for, after I did the top of my feet, I was like, okay, that's, I'm good for like probably 10 years. And then um, I've been slowly sort of doing little bits and my legs and I want, I'm actually itching pretty hard to get more right now. Yeah, <laughs> I've been itching too. Yeah. My, my Did you want... like You go, you go. I was, was going to go on to a different subject oh. about Katrina Del Mar. What is your theory? My theory? Um... She captured a time. I mean, she really captured a time. She. So how do you? How did you know her? Because we knew. I think we all had a photo shoot with her at Pseudo at some point. I'm sure we did. That produced. Yeah, had like sick pictures of you and Sean, your husband, who's in the band The Toilet Boys, and of Shannon, and just like all just the beautiful photos of us from a very specific time of the late 90s, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, did you, I'm interested, like who else, what other photographers were you working with or what other work were you doing? Uh, well, I shot um, a lot with her from like the beginning of the 90s, really, and um Ned Ambler also took a lot of photos of me, and then, you know, when I was modeling, it was all I mean, I was shot by Richard Avedon for CKB, yes. which was incredible, and I was shot by um, Stephen Mysell, and I was shot by Ellen Unworth, um, Ellen Von Unworth, right? Ellen Von yep. Unworth. Yep. Um, Not Unworth, Ellen Von Unworth. But I'm in, mean, like, once for books, and Mario Tostino, so, I mean, I kind of had a lot of the, Everyone. the big, yeah. <laughs> Everyone. Um, it's amazing. It was, it was. Do you keep those somewhere? Do you like have those somewhere? I have a lot. I have a lot, and there's a lot that I probably don't have. But I've tried. I've, I actually worked also on sort of my archive over the pandemic to be like, where is all this stuff, and what shape is it in? Because a lot, of, you know, I still have like magazines with shoved in, up, you know, in a shelf with other magazines. It's like, okay, let's get rid of some of this paper and make this organized so um yeah I, I do have quite a bit and i've saved the book like mario just you know has 
a book that has both me and Sean in it, which is kind of funny. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. I have so much, like, random stuff from that time. Just like you said, like, magazines. Yeah. And it was nothing like that. But I had a poster that was, like, on a subway stop somewhere. And, like, what do you do with all this yeah. at the end of the day, you know? I know. I know. It's, it's decades out, lady. Yeah. <laughs> it's so wild. <laughs> um, I would love to know, you know, because we have known each other for a very long time, and but we're in the present, like, what what has been your journey since, you know, being just, like, young and full of all of it, and then really coming into your own and becoming a wife and becoming a mother? And, and what was that transition between being on tour and doing that work to where sort of you are now or a little even before now? I mean... Me and Sean were together already for a while before we got married, and so it just felt like, it felt like it was just, like, solidifying the, um, stability. Like, everything else is freelance, you know, performing, modeling, you know, going on tour, I was doing all this nightlife, you know, all of that, nothing, everything was, like, you know, buzzing around, and I was like, I... I, I never really, I guess I always imagined myself getting married to someone, but I never saw myself as like, this is my dream wedding, and I'm going to wear this, and the bridesmaids. It was like, I was so the, uh, you know, I was like that anti-bridezilla. I was like, yeah, okay, I'm going to get, uh, I'm going to get my, you know, I'm going to do my own makeup and hair, it's fine. Um, and um, so that, like, getting married was, bizarre and amazing and like it was one of the happiest days of my life honestly which sounds so fucking cheeseball but it really was I mean it was just felt so magical I mean with Sean it's like he I equate him to like lobster you know like lobsters choose a mate for life and we just like found each other and we're uh, lobsters that's you know <laughs> it's so much fun um, and he has my back, and that's sort of what marrying him had the, like, it was kind of like, dude, my back? Yeah, we have each other's back, that's it. And, um, and, but becoming a mother was much harder. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. Because I was also still out in the world, I was DJing a very fun party, you know, that was, the funniest part was, like, I found out I was pregnant on New Year's Eve and I was about to do a party that night that was going to end at like 5, 6 a.m. And I was like, holy shit, I'm pregnant. And I want, like, we we never were like trying, trying, but we were like, let's see if this, you know, so I was kind of like, can this still happen? And, um, yeah, and then it was, then I got pregnant and then I was, I was already like sort of wanting to get out of nightlife because I was like, so tired of being up this late and all the, you know, and that was it. That was like, so it was very abrupt in a way because I was like, I can't stay, I could not stay awake pregnant. I mean, I don't know if you were like that, but I was like, I, it was like once your body was like, computer says no, you were like, you know, and um, so that was really hard. And then I also didn't want anyone to know why, I don't know for a while because I was like if I have to end this pregnancy I don't want anyone to you know whatever be let down let alone that I would be let down you 
you know what I mean? So I was it went into a very quiet chrysalis place and it was not happy and it was not fun. Although it was exciting. Um but yeah, that was like that was probably the biggest transition in my life that I can really like that was like a huge turning point and was uh, there were times I loved being pregnant and there were times that I was especially towards the end I was like I'm swollen and my foot couldn't move and I was so hot. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of the worst. It, yeah, it's really the worst. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, and then then I had a very rough um, delivery, like really traumatic and just. Wow. I mean, the fact that we all got through, and there was like hurricanes in the middle of that. Like, there was so much craziness. And, um, and then I was just like, I felt like I'd been like run over by a truck. And now I have this thing, this beautiful little babe who's like depending on me and fucking the life of me. <laughs> Literally. Yep. <laughs> did you feel like you went through, or did you go through any type of like postpartum depression? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, I know mine six, and I'm like, is that is it still happening? Like, yeah. am I still going through postpartum depression? <laughs> Feels like yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Were the what were like some of the tools that you used? Did you even know? Did you have support in that regard? I knew, and I like I've been in and out of therapy since I was like in my twenties because I needed to be and so I went back in as soon as I was able and got help because it was so hard and I really couldn't I couldn't I couldn't manage you know on my own and you know it it was good for me to do that so that I didn't have to be because sometimes I've had you know many therapists throughout the years and there are times when I'm like I'm fine I can do it by myself It's so hard, I find, for me at least, and it sounds like for you, that women, we are people who mm-hmm. are, you know, self-reliant, get it done, mm-hmm. I'll figure it out, I got it, no worries. And so it's so difficult to actually receive the help yeah. or to ask for the help or to trust that when you do ask for the help, that someone will understand how to help because you are so self-reliant. Right, right. I'm really gra- I'm grappling with that right now a lot. Like... I am who I am. We're strong women, you know? And so, like, who takes the, who take, who picks us up when we fall at this? Like, you you know, you have Sean, but, like, I really am still sort of feeling who, who picks up the pieces when I'm, like, on the fucking floor. Yeah. Um, because it's, it's great that we're strong, but, like, that's not something that's all the time and everyone mm-hmm. needs to be sort of cradled in a little hand sometimes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And it's like, I feel like more and more, like, mental health has become something that, you know, there are commercials about it, there's like telephone, you know, there's all this online help now, but it, it's also been a very taboo thing of like, oh, you need help? Like, oh, you need a, you know, need to talk to a therapist? Like, what's wrong with you? And that's so not the case, you know? It's like, it's like, 
taking care it's self care was before people talked about that, you know. And um yeah. I'm, I'm proud that I was able to do that for myself at, at in my young age, you know, because I knew that I was like, you know, I didn't want to, you know, want to die, <laughs> basically, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, that feeling of like I can't go on any longer. Yeah. It's not so much that it's you know, like it's that feeling of like I want this to end. I don't want uh-huh. to. I don't want this. Like, I need it to end. I can't not. Um, I know for me, like I recently, you know, went through just tr- just trauma for the last couple of years, and certainly, like again, my son is six, but I still feel like I'm going through all of the growing pains of being a. a new mother and now like a single mother yeah um just finding what the tools are as you said self-care like for me it looks like hiking every day it looks like i've got to get talk therapy and other forms of therapy like somatic therapy my acupuncture and make sure my supplements are happening and just so much maintenance around living because i personally and i'm sure you don't either i don't want to be in survival like we're survivalists like i don't want to be in survival i want to be in thriving yeah so let's get to thriving already so like ease up you know you and i were talking a little bit about you know the changes that we go through like getting older and and not really knowing how to harness them because we were so we were so what's the word I'm looking for? Like loud and extra as young people. So to be in this sort of like midlife mother role, it's very confusing. Yeah. And I I don't know if you are still confused about that, but I know I am. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can tell you it it, it does get easier. The older they get, the more self-reliant they are, the more they can do stuff. I mean, I only have one kid also. So it's like, I'm glad that there's only one and um, she's amazing. And yeah, it gets, it definitely like gets easier as time goes. And, and the more like they become the people they are, it's just more, even more fun. I mean, there's fun at every age and every stage for sure. But, um, but yeah, I can relate and like finding that time to work out and, you know, all of the, the self care thing. And, um, yeah, it's crazy. It's 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 just like a big, um, you know, juggling circus. We were the ringmasters and the jugglers. <laughs> yes, all of the things. Yeah, all of it. Mm-hmm. And the monkeys and yeah. the lions yeah. and all of it. the clowns and the, all the clowns <laughs> um, and the elephant. Mm-hmm. Um, what, so you, we reconnected again a few years ago when I was working as a producer at the ABC television show, The Chew, yeah. and I had heard rumblings that you were doing makeup, and I was like, I'm going to call this bitch up and have her come over here, and I was doing makeovers, and uh, and we did a little work together then. I would love to know about when you decided to essentially like reinvent yourself as a careerist, yeah. as a makeup artist. <laughs> well, that was like, I've done so many things sort of, you know, obviously in my own way, but sort of backwards where I started this makeup line. I had this lip line and, and I was like, wow, I should be doing makeup if I have a makeup company. So why don't I start doing that? And then people were very, you know, makeup artists were, that I knew were very kind and generous with me and helped me 
you know, things and I assisted some people and and started doing it. Like anything else that I've done. Like I'm just gonna do this and um and luckily I'm good at it also and um so I just kept doing that as I had my company on beauty and then I shut that down in twenty seventeen, I wanna say. After like years, at least two years of like, you know, thinking I should, but not being able to let it go, you know, it was so hard to let it go because it was also like my other baby, you know, like something I was working hard on and nurturing and, you know, it was mine. And um, so then I just started to do more and more makeup. And once I closed the company, I was like, this now, now it's like go time and let's, you know, try to get an agent and stuff. And so. I got an agent and um which is Judy Casey agency and who's like badass New York woman, like one of the first agents in New York and she's incredible and um yeah. So here I am now doing that and that was also like an interesting um what's the word? Sort of complete shift which was very strange at first from the in front of the camera to behind the camera and that was also a very strange transition because I did start doing that when I was pregnant I want to say and so I was like sitting backstage at fashion shows like snacking and being like I don't have to worry about what I like (laughs) which was very freeing um so that was sort of, yeah, that's how that journey began. And then, I mean, you're like also obviously an artist, so you're a stunning makeup artist and have always done your own makeup. What kind of jobs are you doing these days? Like what's the industry, what's happening in the industry? Oh what kind God. of jobs do you have? I mean, it's, it's, it's all over the place. I, do, I have private clients. I have some celebrity clients. I have, I do some e-commerce. I work with rock stars and bands. Um, you know, commercials, it's, it's all, I, I mean, I feel like anybody you talk to is going to be like, oh, I mean, there's some people that only do one or the other thing, but I feel like New York, and if you're in this business, you're kind of doing it all, unless you're, you know, unless you end up in the union and you're only doing production like that, so, yeah, um, yeah. Is, Lu- is Lucy into it? Oh my is God. your daughter into it? She is so into it. She loves makeup. She's like, I'll show you her. She's so she's so excited about Halloween as your son is too. And she um she's been like doing tests of her makeup and like this. She does this <gasps> all herself. So you can't. So we can't see this. We should, you should send me that screenshot so I can yeah. share it on Instagram. But she's got a third eye. She seems to be some type of zombie elevated. A yeah. self-aware third-eyed nurse. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. So um, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. She and she loves makeup, and she's like she's constantly like doing looks, and like we watch RuPaul's Drag Race. We've been watching that, and she like locks her eyebrows out, and you know she's got these gorgeous brows, which I'm like, please don't mess them up. <laughs> don't do what I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious about brows these days because yeah. my brow 
Uh, you know, I like to stay in like late 1990s, like shaped brow that's like really done in style. Mm-hmm. I can't get down with like the thick brow, like the natural quote unquote brow that people are rocking these days. It's very sort of like norm core brow. Right. And um, what is what, what are your thoughts on brows these days? I think that brows are all over the place. And I, I feel like it's not as like, it seems like the brushed up brow is bigger and it doesn't necessarily matter how thick it is. I think the thick brow is still in, but it doesn't feel like it's as sort of shoved down your throat. And I also think it's not for everyone. And I, I think, you know, you got to work with what you've got and your brows are beautiful and, you know, you just do you. That's, that's always my philosophy. Yeah. You know, it's like trends are fun. And, you know, when the thick brows really, I was like, <laughs> please, there's no men. <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> But, you know, <laughs> we got to be ourselves. Huh? Can't, can't, yeah, can't I never, like, ever. No, I liked, I mean, I had a little bit of a thick brow, but I really tried to enforce when I go get them done, like, you can take them off. Like, let's yeah. shape these. This, <laughs> they need to be shaped. And I need to look like I am straight up out of 1997. I love that. <laughs> Embrace it. I love it. <laughs> um so you're working you know you closed the business but you went on to ha- to continue your like really cool professional makeup career what was sort of your like favorite bits about being a business owner or business woman I mean it was there were times when it was so exciting and um you know I really Again, like, I didn't know what I was doing. I sort of carved my path. It was well before sort of the natural beauty craze. So it was like, I was very early on to that. And then as time went on, there were some really great periods. Like, I was sold on Urban Outfitters online, and I was sold in a lot of, you know, drugstore.com, which is gone, and all these, like, very chic, high-end beauty sites and stores. And even Ricky's took up before they closed, and that was, like, so that was like a pinnacle moment. I was like, oh my God, we're tricky. Like, amazing. Um, and it was so exciting. And then it was like, because I feel like in many ways, I'm, I've been on the forefront of things a lot where people have, you know, the, the world catches up later. And it was kind of like, I wasn't natural enough. Like the makeup was, you know, almost hundred percent but not enough and then it was like well there then all the natural beauty stores started to come out and they were like we love it but you have this this and this product and our you know our consumers are going to be upset about that and they're like can you remake it and then we'll take it and it's like i don't have the you know i i couldn't keep up anymore even though there were times when things were going so well and i was paying a publicist and i was like how am i doing this i have no idea this is amazing and um, getting amazing press also was so helpful. Um, and then it was just like people were, I had very nice investors who wanted to invest and I was just done. You know, I was just mm-hmm. like, I can't, I cannot do this anymore. I can't focus on it. I, I just, it, it kind of used me up in that way. And not to say that I wouldn't, I would love to work on another brand, you know, with someone else's funding. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm not mm-hmm. responsible for. Support, resources, yeah, yes. totally. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, but it was, I mean, I learned so much. It was really like, you know, a personal business boot camp. So, 
um, you know, and that comes from my whole DIY, you know, past of, of the band and everything else that I've always done is always sort of on my own terms and, you know, doing it ourselves and learning as you go in many ways. Yeah, absolutely. And people, you know, I, I think that there's an element of street savvy that you have to have when you decide like, all right, I'm going to start a business or I want to be in business or sitting at the top of a business. It's so exhausting and yeah. so draining yeah. and you have to have a certain metal and like character to be able to carry that through because it is exhausting every day. Yeah. And like know. some people have got it. And you can have it for a short while. You could have it forever. It's just, it's pretty wild for anyone out there that like thinks about starting a business. And I, I've, I've reconsidered or considered going back to school at this point and like maybe potentially, um, maybe seeking like an MBA so that I can have some like higher education around what business is and yeah. what that is. And any friend who has their MBA is like, no, it's a waste of time. And I'm like, but oh. is it? Because I really like to understand yeah how to run business yeah don't let people talk you out of that i think that's great i've had so many moments of like i'm gonna do a boutique class uh -huh, and then i'm like i can't commit yeah <laughs> you know, yes you know, hey i go and i just i draw like in the mid in the middle of it i just leave yeah. i don't i don't i don't i don't tell anyone i just leave <laughs> <laughs> I've done that a couple of times actually now. I went to, uh, did you go to college? I went to college for two years. Where did you go? So I went to SBA for art. Okay, so I went to um, Hunter for mm -hmm. a few years. And um, what's so funny is like I went to Hunter and then like left in my third year, like just sort of, again, left, didn't remove myself. And so I'm still matriculated there. So when you get the phone call from Hunter, I still get the phone calls from Hunter that are like, it's a snow day. You don't have to come to school yeah. today. Oh. And I'm like, it was like 20 years ago. Um, and then I went back for a second because I was enrolled as an actual student at Hunter uh, to get my JD until like, I was like, I was on a trip to be a, an entertainment attorney. And I was there for I was there for, I want to go ahead and say two weeks before I got some like VP job at some baller company. And I was like, all right, peace out again. And then I keep doing that every few years. So I'm having another reemergence of like, okay, this time I'm going to do it and it's going to happen. But um, chances are it probably won't. <laughs> I mean, I, I also like, didn't, I went to bartending school and didn't finish. That told you Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, oh, I got this terrible bartender. Totally. I'm fine. I got it. I got the job. I got the tips. But I don't need any of this. Thank you. I know. I know. So, yeah. So it's like we have, innate, we have an innate sense to, like, build a business and just run with it. Yeah. But yeah. it is exhausting. It is. It is. There are many times I'd be like, it would have been really helpful if I knew what I was doing before I started doing it. <laughs> That's where all that passion and artistry and creativity comes from it's just vital life force exploding from every <laughs> hole in your body <laughs> um so i just i love sort of the journey that you've had and where you landed now and what's so amazing especially with the release of the book is that you are going back on tour yeah we just played our first shows in 17 years in las vegas 
um, last month. Oh and, you know, this was like, it was supposed to happen in 2020. You know, all the pandemic things. We started rehearsing two years ago. And then the pandemic happened. We were supposed to play um, that April of 2020. And it was like when the virus was at its peak worst in New York that very weekend would have been our shows. That May, and then everything was like scheduled and rescheduled and you know all of that. So there was so much build up to these shows that, and then with the pandemic, and then with flying, and then with you know, thankfully there was like vaccine mandate and you know it was all outside and all of that. But um, it was there was just so much build up, and then it was amazing. It was like even better than I had expected. Like the reaction was insane and incredible and made it it was very life affirming, you know, to go and do that and have that reaction. So and we have our New York shows coming up in November. Um Yeah, I'll be weekend. there. When? Um I'll be there. What do you can wear? Webster Hall. It's oh my gosh. Six and twenty twenty seventh, two nights. Um, the toilet boys are playing the 27th, they should probably come to that. Are you in New York now? Oh my. Are you back in New York? No, no I'm in LA right now. You are. Okay. I'm in Los Angeles now, but I'll be in New York in November <gasps> and again in December, but I'll be there on the 26th Yay! and I will come to you play. Yay! Awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. So that's happening and then we're like, we've done so much work to get ready for all this, we might as well do, you know, like strike while the iron's hot. So we're looking to do like festivals possible Europe, you know, it's like sort of like hit it and quit it, not like be stuck out on tour, but like go do like good big things and make that money. So make yeah. them money. Yeah. yeah. Do you find that the is it different now? I mean, I would imagine it's different, but I everything has changed so much because of ev- life and evolution. Yeah. Like, wh- how is it different now than it was when you started? Like as playing? far as, I don't know, booking, playing, booking, crowds, you? I mean, there, it felt like, there, you know, with all the buildup to the shows, it felt like as soon as I had my little toe on the stage, I was like, oh, right. Like, I just, like, I felt like I was in, like, this weird, like, me past, me future sort of meta 90s moment, and, and it all just fell into place, like, completely. So, I mean, what's better than that? Full circle. Yeah, full full circle. circle. Um, The crowds were amazing. People were singing all the words. You know, we in the when we played the big stage um, at Punk Art Bowling, we played right before Devo, and all these people had never, a lot of people had never seen us. Some never heard us, and we like won so many fans. I mean, just amazing amazing so that's incredible i'm yeah. so happy for you that you're having this life-affirming moment Thank and you. really being able to be fully yourself like this is you and it's like amazing that you still continue to be all you yeah it's a beautiful thing you're a beautiful thing you are a, you are a beautiful thing Theo. <laughs> Well, I am so thankful for your time today and your contribution to pop culture and women everywhere. And you are truly one of a kind. You are Saint Theo, and I love you and thank you. I love you. Thank you. And 
Cool. If you enjoyed today's show, be sure to download, like, and subscribe, and share with other rebel women. I'm Jess Zeno, and this is the Mothers of Reinvention. Bye. Yeah, back it, back it. Yeah, pull up to the bumper game with the signal. Cover me, cause I'm changing how to handle on it. My life. 